Hey, podcast listener, if you're a golfer, you're about to learn how to improve your game dramatically by focusing on the most important aspects required to play the best golf possible. If you want to learn more about this podcast or access lots of other great golfing content, head across to huntingscratch.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Scratch Golf Show. I'm your host, Jake Howe, and today we're speaking with uh, Tom Wishon. Now, Tom is a 40-plus year veteran of the, the, the equipment industry, so he's been specializing uh, in club head design, shaft performance, um, and pretty much club fitting research and development. So um, he has recently developed a set of single-length irons, so if you're you know, if, if you've been following any golf the last 12 months or 18 months, you'll know of uh, Bryson um, DeChambeau, who plays, obviously, he was the NCAA uh, and the US Amateur Champ and is now just turned professional. And he plays a modified set of single-length irons. Um, so they're certainly coming to prominence in uh, a golfer's mind. Um, they make sense to me as a new golfer because they simplify the game. Um, so I wanted to get... Tom on, um, I've been following Tom uh, at, at Wish on Golf for a, a little while now, and I, I really like what they're doing. So I w- thought I'd get Tom on to discuss it a little bit. Um, so that's what this episode is all about. Now, <laughs> when I called Tom, we got stuck straight into the conversation. And generally what I'll do with a guest is that um, we'll have a bit of preamble, um, then I'll run them through the format, and then we'll start from there. With Tom, is slightly different. The conversation we had was so good starting uh, straight off the bat that I decided to not interrupt um, and – you're obviously going to be the benefit of this particular conversation. But the only thing is that once we get into it, uh, you're not going to hear anything about Tom's background, really. Um, and it basically just kicks straight into the interview. So uh, if you want to find out more about Tom, certainly go off and check uh, wishongolf.com and also um, check out the uh, sterlingirons.com website, which you'll find more about the single length irons. But uh, this is a great episode. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I know you will too, if you've got any interests in um, club fitting or in, you know, in, in the single length irons as well. So um, let's get stuck straight into that episode right now. Hey, Tom, it's Jake. Yeah, okay, good. We're connected here. We're connected. We're connected. How's your day been? Yeah, can you hear me well enough? Yep, perfect. That's good. All right, cool. So you've had a busy day? Yeah, very much so. Um, this whole spring has been really busy. You know, the the demand and the, the interest in this single-length iron is much greater than anything that I've ever done before. Um, mm. You know, it's nice because it's... Uh, it's a concept that, you know, I've known about for a very long time. In fact, you yeah. know, we go way back to the 1980s. Um, I knew the guy who actually created the first business to sell single length irons, a Canadian guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, since that time, they've, they've only pretty much been offered by undermarketed, lesser-known companies. There was only the one time in uh, 1989 that the old Tommy Armour Golf Company tried it, and they made a horrible mistake by trying to also sell single-length woods with it, and that's what killed it. Um, mm. Nobody wanted to keep a 42-inch long driver because it didn't hit the ball as far as their previous one. So, 
you know, when when that didn't work well, then they didn't think the the whole set would work, you know, with that. So uh, it really was one of the things that led to the downfall of Armor, you know, with that. So, you know, that kind of left a little bit of a bad taste in some people's mouths, you know, and uh, those who remember back that far. But, you know, the industry is interesting. You know, you got an awful lot of golfers who have been trained to, kind of pay attention like a Pavlov dog to what's the next great thing, you know, for this. Yeah. And so, you know, when Bryson comes along and gets publicity for winning the two big amateur events in our country last year, um, boom, all of a sudden it was like it was under a rebirth, you know, for that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, the concept makes a lot of sense, but you have to be really careful what you do with it because there are very definitely some downsides to it if you don't cover all your bases. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that, that that's probably the big thing for me is that, um, you know, it, it takes somebody to break the norm and have success with it before anyone was, I guess, willing to, to follow along. What's really going to be interesting is, you know, I doubt very seriously that you're going to see very many other tour players go to it. Um, yeah. it's, it's too different for them. Um, yep. it, it would take some getting used to to get readjusted to distances for each club. It would probably require a little bit of a set makeup change for them. And they're not willing to go that far. You know, I mean, they are where they are because they're kind of used to what they've been playing with for a while. And, you know, they'll tinker here and there with a different shaft and maybe a different driver head and wedge and that sort of thing and a putter. But they're not going to, you know, to expect them to go into a single length thing is, is way too big, you know, for them. So the interesting thing will be, are the big OEM companies so desperate for something new that they'll give this a shot? Now, you know Cobra's going to have to because yeah. they wouldn't put all the money into Bryson, you know, without trying to make a set to sell, you know, at retail. Um, exactly. When that comes out, and I just, you know, speaking with the Golf Digest guys last week, you know, they kind of hinted around that Cobra's in a little bit of a conundrum on this because they can't really figure out how to position it. You know, with all the other, you know, irons, every company – creates a different iron model design aimed at a different group of players. Yep. You've got your compact forgings, lawn offset, you know, for the low handicapper. Then you have kind of the semi-game improvement, you know, for the low double-digit handicap. And then you've got the super game improvement for the bogey and double bogey golfer, you know, that's out there. And it's easy for them to market those and say, this is for this guy, this is for that guy, and, and so forth. With single length, Technically, it should be done the same way. You should have, mm. you know, let's say a forging traditional low offset, um, not as forgiving head for the really low handicapper, and you should go all the way up to a super game improvement for the less skilled guy. But no company is going to come out with three separate models within single yep. length. They're going to stick their toe in the water and just see what happens. So the, the next question comes up, okay, you know that with the big giant OEM companies, you know, for them to make any kind of an introduction of a model worth doing, they have to put a lot of marketing money behind it to generate enough demand to sell, you know, 100, 150,000 sets of the iron. Yeah. How do you tell a golfer he should be playing with single length versus how do you tell a golfer he should be playing with conventional incremental length? That's a hard question to answer because any golfer could play with both. Cobra is not going to want to put all of their marketing money just behind a single length set because they're just not sure 
you know, the you know breaking with tradition that much could result in finding 150,000 golfers a year to buy the set. So I'm going to be, you know, I'll be very interested to see how they position this and 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 what they say. Not the least of which, um, you know, the people in at least in the United States, the people who work for the big giant golf retail stores. These people aren't paid any kind of money. They're not very well trained. There's a yeah. lot of turnover. They don't stick around in the job very long because the big retail stores can't make enough money to pay them. Mm. You know, so how do you get these people trained? You know, I mean, many of them sell golf clubs to golfers on the basis of what they personally like or dislike. That that part's big for me because exactly right. as you say, because this is completely different. If you don't get somebody I guess fitted to their specs with a single length set of clubs, um, then the minute it doesn't work for them, they're going to drop it and go back to what convention is. Because uh, at least if they if they if they're not fitted to a, 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 the the um the right set of clubs with a conventional set, at least they you know not getting the ridicule of their friends for being different. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. You know, I mean, it, we've found that you know really that the single length set has to perform better. Yep. It can't perform the same. If it doesn't perform better, then it isn't any good. You know, and this is kind of like the way custom fitting is. To be able to market custom fitting, you know, to somebody, you got to market it on the basis of saying, this is better than buying standard off the rack. You know, so you build that up to them, they go in to get fit, and if they don't go out and play better, then, you know, custom fitting's no good. Whereas you mm. go back with that golfer, the last five sets of clubs that he bought off of the rack in a retail store, he didn't play any better, but that was okay. It didn't make him mad, you know, and he thought it was fine. So there's a little bit of a greater level of expectation for performance, you know, yes. that resides with this, that the sets kind of have to live up to and when they're fit you know, that way, but the, the fitting process, is it the same as like a standard set of irons or is it actually easier or is it harder to fit somebody it's into actually, a single? It's actually easier because what you're doing, like in our case where we chose a single length, that's much shorter than what the other single length companies use. You know, we chose an eight iron length and instead of a six iron length, which has been the norm. Now, the reason that all these other companies have chosen a six iron length is because they knew that as they made the length shorter, the club head speed for the low loft clubs would be lower in the single length set than it was in the conventional set. So like, for example, you have a, you know, a, a, uh, if you had a three iron at 39 inches, you know, and now you all of a sudden make that 37 and a half inches for a lot of players, you're going to lose anywhere from three to five or six miles an hour in club head speed. And with an iron, bingo, you've lost 10 or 12 yards right there. So how are you going to make that back up? You know, and, and therein was the, that's the reason why these other companies would never go shorter than a six iron length because they could, they had no chance to make the distance back up in the low loft clubs. Now, what came along that was a bad thing with a six iron length is now 37 and a half inches makes your nine iron pitching wedge, gap wedge, two inches longer than it used to be in your old set. And now you're swinging that too fast. You're hitting it too far. You don't have the proper distance gaps in between, and you can't get used to that for your wedges. Now, a super good player like Bryson, he's playing 37 and a half because for his specific single plane swing technique that he's following that works very well with it of course he's got to have the irons with these 
upright to do it. Yeah. Okay. And but, what what is he? He's like a six foot two, you know, athlete as well, isn't he? Yeah, you know, but he's got his hands way up because that sets him in the plane that he wants to swing at, you know, and that forces the lie angle to be extremely upright. Now, you know, some other people, they get misinformed too. They think, well, if I get a single length set, do I have to swing single plane very upright like Bryson? No, not at all. The concept has nothing to do with what your swing plane or motion Mm -hmm. is. Um, Yeah. Not at all, you know, with this. So anyway, we chose 36 and a half inches because that right away helps make the nine and pitching wedge and gap wedge and sand wedge much easier to control distance yep. with and, and still have good accuracy. Okay, so for us, at 36 and a half, how do we make up the potential for lost distance on the low loft clubs? And that's where my history as a club head designer comes in. I I did. I invented the first high COR iron design back in 2000, and then since then I've done three more on top of it. So I know how to design the face of an iron so it has the same COR as a driver. So that buys us back distance right away. The other yep. single-length companies don't know how to do that. You know, So their irons are strictly one-piece cast stainless steel, low COR, no extra ball speed. The only way that they could make up for a loss in club head speed is by lowering the loft of the iron. We can do it with both. We get you know, um, a lot more ball speed from our thin high COR face, and then we lower the loft a little bit. And therefore, we can have a 36-and-a-half-inch long 5-iron that hits the ball further than the golfer's existing 38-inch 5-iron. Yep. You know, and that works out very well you know, for it. So but what, it is, what are you sacrificing there? Strengthening the, um, um, the, the, the loft a little bit. What, what, are you sacrificing spin or stopping power at the other end? Not really, because one of the unique yep. things that happens, at least with the way I design a thin face, high COR iron, because the face flexes more, the mm-hmm. ball slides up the face differently when it takes off. And so the launch angle from a thin face iron is higher for the same loft than it is with a thick face club. And with that higher launch angle comes a little bit, you know, a little bit more spin, you know, yep. that's right there. But there's no question, spin is still predicated more by club head speed and the friction mm. on the face than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so this is where I've been. I've been following Bryson for a while. I've, I'm now a bit over twelve months into actually playing golf, and single length. The concept of single length irons makes a lot of sense for me, and there's a, a number of reasons why. But probably primarily is that I'm not a natural golfer. I've not really. I've over the last year I've learnt how to to actually to swing a, a golf club correctly, but. Now, when when I've got a, a three iron or a four iron in my hand, uh, it's a different swing to what I'm putting on a, an eight iron or a seven iron. So it feels completely different. So I, I I like the concept of you know just having that single swing. The other thing that I find when I've got a um a um low lofted club in my hand is because it's longer, my brain is almost programmed to think that I need to swing harder at it to actually make it do its job. Now, I know that's not the case. I know I could put the same swing on the the four iron as I could on like a nine iron, but just mentally in my brain, there's something there that says you've got a low lofted club, you need to swing hard. And I think that's detrimental to my game at the moment. Quite a bit. Yeah. You know, I coined a term years ago of doing fitting research that I called the 2438 rule, 
And what it meant, what I mean by that is very few golfers have the skill to hit an iron that is 24 degrees or lower or 38 inches in length or longer. You know, yep. once you break that 24, 38 barrier, success rates go way down. And you've got to be a really good player with much higher than average club head speed to hit that kind of an iron. Absolutely, absolutely. So, how does it progress then into uh, hybrids, woods, uh, driver? How do you t- do you progress a set like this? Okay, right now at present, okay, what the yeah. golfer has to find out is what's going to be the lowest loft iron that I can hit and play yep. with, and that's a rule that goes for conventional iron sets as well as single length. Okay. Um, yep. Because as you well know, over the last 30 years, the golf club manufacturers have steadily been lowering the loft of irons to yeah. the point where it's almost ridiculous now. It is ridiculous. So you do have, with conventional length iron sets, you've got a ton of golfers who can't hit a three iron, can't hit a four iron, can't hit a five iron, and some of them can't even hit a six iron because the lofts are too low. Yep. So the first thing you've got to do is, what is the lowest loft that I can play and get the ball up in the air reasonably well to fly. Okay, let's say the guy's good enough in the single length set to where he can play the five iron, okay? Now what he's got to do then is he's got to note, how far do I hit this thing when I make a good shot? Okay, let's say the guy hits at 170 yards. Now what he needs to do is add 10 to 15 yards to that and go out and look for the hybrid that's going to hit the ball that far. So let's say his five iron in this single length set is 23 degrees, okay? What he'd probably want to go out and look for is either a hybrid at 20 degrees that probably wouldn't be much longer than 38, 38 and a half inches, or possibly he'd be looking for a seven wood if he likes woods better, and that seven wood may not be any longer than 40 inches, you know, for that. And then he finds his distance with that. He adds 10 to 15 yards onto that, and now he goes out and looks for the next one, and that might be a strong five wood at 17 degrees at maybe 41 inches in length. And then beyond that, if he's got the skill to get a three wood up in the air, that club comes next, and then the driver after that. I think down the road there's a chance um, that it could be possible to create a single length combination of fairway woods and hybrids together yeah it's possible you know to go with the single length iron but because see here's one of the big ways that that we've seen uh from research that single length can help okay if you you know if you go to the driving range enough you know or you maybe have seen or had this happen yourself that if you hit the same club at the driving range, many times in a row, you start to get into a pattern where your swing is more grouped and you're a little more consistent. Yep. Okay. And this is kind of what happens with single length irons. You look at an average 18 hole golf course, most golfers would be hitting approximately 18 iron shots during the course of a round, full swings. So now with single length, what you got is in making those 18 shots, they're all being made with a club that has exactly identically the same swing feel for every iron. So you're now in a situation from the standpoint of your swing tempo, your swing plane, your setup, you are you are grooving your swing. You're not changing clubs with different lengths, different total weights, different balance points. You're now making all 18 iron shots in a round with clubs that are identical in swing feel. So you do that over the course of about a month of playing, 
And now you start to be able to become better with swing repeatability, swing consistency. Okay, what breaks that up is occasionally you got to go out and you got to play a hybrid or a wood or a driver that has a different swing feel. So, yeah, if you know, I think it's possible. I mean, you're never ever going to get the driver to the same identical swing feel as any of the other clubs in the bag because you mm. never can make the driver too short or else people don't want to play with it. They won't hit it <laughs> far enough. And distance is so important to so many clubs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you fit the driver, you got to look at that individually and you fit it into the, the longest length they can control, which is normally a, a shorter length than what they bought off the rack. You see, this business of the big companies now selling, you know, standard length drivers between 45 and 46 inches is pathetic. You know, out on the PGA Tour and the European Tour over the last 10, 12 years, the average driver length among tour players has been 44 and a half inches. Why? Because even though they're the best players in the world, they know that if they try to play a 45 or 46 inch driver, they can't hit the fairway as often. And so here we are with tour players playing with drivers that are an inch to inch and a half shorter than what the big companies are forcing on regular golfers. And it's pathetic that they do it, but they do it simply because they know that the average golfer might get one shot out of 20 that he hits further. And he'll keep trying and he'll buy that club thinking that all I have to do is just find out how to hit another one like that. Isn't it, is, isn't it very interesting how how fickle a golfer's mind is. There are all these stats tracked, um, you know, on the PGA Tour and pretty much the only one that matters is is length or swing speed, um, you know, how far they hit the driver and the swing speed. It's it's crazy um, to me. Um, I've been – I just wrote an email last night about um, getting more length with your driver and everybody I speak to talks about you need to increase your swing speed and I'm kind of like, well, actually, why don't you improve your strike? If you can strike the, the, the ball on the club face more consistently in the center, then you're going to get more distance yeah that's true because you know i mean if a golfer really wants more swing speed it's going to be difficult he's going to go he's going to have to go find a personal trainer who's really good and he's going to have to devote many hours over many many months before he can do that and how many people really have that kind of commitment to do that not very many the other thing is that even if they do increase their swing speed and they're still striking it all over the face, all it's going to it's, it's going to make some shots better, but it's going to magnify the miss. Uh, if you're hitting it out of the heel or out of the um, out of the toe, it's just going to go further off the intended line. Yeah, there's an old club making club fitting adage: longer the length of the club, the harder it is to hit on center. And with today's mm. driver heads. If you miss the center by a half an inch, you've lost 5% of your potential distance. Miss it by one inch, and you've lost 10% of that distance because the head's vibrating and you're losing energy transfer. So we've, I can't tell you how many guys there are who've gone to a custom club fitter, ended up with a 43.5 to 44-inch driver, yep. and they actually end up hitting it further than they were hitting their 46-inch driver before. Because they're centering it. Uh Yeah, right. There you You go. You want to do a favor to your readers? You should clue them into the presence of really good independent club fitters. You're in the Melbourne area, right? We are, yes. You know of a guy named Jeff Walden who's in Lower Plenty? 
area? I, I don't. I don't. I'll tell you what, my coach will, uh, P- Peter Croker, he knows most people. So, <laughs> you, I'll tell you what you should do is you should do an yeah. interview with Jeff Walden. He's, yep. he's, about, he's about 80 now, but he's in great shape and he's been fitting crap almost longer than I have. And I'm 65 <laughs> now. He's as good as there is. He knows all there is to know about how golf clubs should be fit to a golfer. Um, you go out and talk to him someday, you know, yeah. or have him fit you, you know, and just you yeah. know, write about it, what the fitting yep. experience was like, because this business of pro shops and big retail golf stores selling clubs off the rack does golfers no favors whatsoever. Really yeah, well, what's, um, so with my experience 12 months ago, as I said, I'm, I'm a new golfer. Um, so my first set of clubs was about 12 months ago. Um, I went into a retail chain here in Australia and I you know, said, I'm looking for a set of clubs. I'm looking to spend about this much. And the fitting experience was he gave me four or five different models to choose, uh, swing the club a few times, um, which one uh, produced the best numbers, right? That's your, that's your club. (laughs) Away you go. Um, and it wasn't until probably three months ago when I went through an actual fitting through the HG system, through the Henry Griffith system with my coach, um, that I realized how poorly fit my, my original clubs were. Um, even though they were, you know, brand new, I went through a, um, a retail story. It's, it's, it's crazy how much of a difference being correctly fit made. You know, because what the guys like Jeff are like, they are to a golf club what a tailor is to a suit. Yep. You know, they're going to measure you. They're going to analyze you. They're going to use all their experience. And then they're going to go out and they're going to decide on 12 different key specifications for each golf club in the bag. And then they'll build them from scratch to have those specs. And, when, you know, guys like Jeff, I mean, not everybody who calls himself a co-fitter knows what they're doing because it's an independent business. It's a cottage industry, really. And so guys like me who do all the research and write all the books to teach these guys, I provide them with all the information, but it's like the old mm-hmm. saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink without. Well, Jeff has drank a lot. I mean, you know, in terms of the, the knowledge and he really is as good as there is you know, in the business. Absolutely. So now you said early on in the, um, in the chat that you're pretty busy at the moment, mainly because of these, the, the uh, single length set of irons. When did you see the real spike in interest around this? Well, I started this project in the fall of 2013. Yeah. Right. You know, I do a little work, I'd take a break. I do a little work, take a break, you know, all this sort of thing. And going to test. I took a long time to do it because this is a whole different concept to learn the relationship of loft and length for distance for different club head speeds and different golfer swing characteristics. So probably the whole thing began to catch a little bit more wind last year when, yeah. you know, Bryson wins the NCAA college championships and then two months later wins the U.S. Amateur, okay? And then he gets invites to play in, you know, big tournaments. And, of course, another one happened when he went down to your neck of the woods and he finished yes. second in your second. Open Championship, yep. you know, down there. So, And then he goes over to Dubai. He plays three tournaments in a row. And, well, he didn't, you know, do super well. He, he made the cut in all three, and he had the first-round lead in one of them. Um, you know, since then, I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, he plays at the Masters, 
He has a pretty good finish in the Masters. Mm. He turns yep. first pro tournament at Hilton Head. He finishes tied for fourth. fourth. Yep. And then he misses four cuts in a row. You know, and, <laughs> and what the guys at Golf Digest said, the reason he missed the four cuts is because Cobra's trying to force him to play their irons. And he hasn't mm. gotten used to him yet. Yeah. But he did make the cut at the Memorial Tournament. Maybe played about 27 good holes there. The rest of them were kind of, eh. And then we just finished our final U.S. Open qualifiers on Monday of this week, and he shot 70-63 to qualify. So yeah. the trick here is he's only got about six tournaments to go that he could play in on the PGA Tour to be able to make enough money to get his tour card. If yep. he doesn't do that, then he's stuck back on the minor league tour, the web.com tour here. And it'll take him a whole nother year to get back onto the big tour. So he needs a couple of top five, top 10 finishes here. And uh, if he does, then I think the momentum of this single length thing that he's created will probably sustain itself pretty well. Um, yeah. No matter what, I think it's, it's, in more golfers' minds right now than it ever has been before. And I think, you know, I mean, the good thing is now we've been shipping ours since the end of March. So with all the sets that we've shipped to the club makers who have fit and built them for golfers, we're starting to get a lot of feedback in here. The only thing negative we hear is you'll catch one from a guy, my club head speed isn't high enough to hit the five iron in your set. And then you talk to him for a while and he says, yeah, well, I never hit the five iron in my old set either. Mm. You know, so, you know, there you go. Most people are hitting the ball a little further with each club, except as they taper down into the gap wedge, that's about the same distance, and so is the sand wedge. So they're happy with that. One of the biggest things we've gotten from it is, you know, one guy made the comment, he, he says, I want to play and hit more because this set is so much fun to play with. He said, you know, I put down a, you know, a, a five iron, a six iron, they're all the same length. And I know I can hit it on center, you know, because the length is shorter, you know. Yep. So, you know, and with the high CR face, the distance is there, you know, for them. So I'm happy with the set. It took a lot of work to get everything right on the thing. But um, I think it's it's really a viable concept for an awful lot of people. Yep. So you started, um, you know, on this in 2013, which was long before, or maybe you heard of what Bryson was doing at that point, but it was long before he come into real prominence in, in certainly in a public, um, light. You obviously then were doing it for a, a particular reason. You could see what, why, why did you start looking into it more? Um, to be honest with you, it's because there was a golf pro from Zurich, Switzerland, who walked into my office unannounced and just basically told me, you need to design this set. I know you can do it. <laughs> you know, and at first I just kind of was, mm, yeah, you know, and we started talking about it and I knew all of the, the pluses and minuses of the existing single length sets, you know, with this. Yeah. And then he was the one who brought up the point. He said, could you design this so it could be made to a shorter length than what's been done before and still not lose distance? And bingo, all of a sudden this light bulb goes off over the top of my head when I thought about all the work I've done in high-strength steel, thin face, high-COR face design. And I said, I think I can. I have a way to do that, you know, with that. So he's uh, this guy's a really good player. He plays the occasional European Tour tournament, and, and yep. uh, 
he's actually one of the best players in the world in in what they call speed golf. You know yep. where these, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. In, in the Heat and run. <laughs> yeah, in 2013, when they had the national championships at Bandon Dunes, um, they played the old McDonald course in the second round from the tips, and he shot 71 in 56 minutes. <laughs> so, not only is he a good ball striker, but he's a good athlete too. You know. Yeah. So, anyway, um, you know, it was easy. I, I have some high COR models and the whole thing, and so I did some grinding and I had some bending and all this sort of thing, and. He'd hit the, the prototypes, and, and he was here for a couple of days. And, and we learned enough just in two days of messing around with shorter lengths to know that it was possible to make this thing work, you know, with that. So, um, and in fact, he had had experience trying to play one of the previous single length sets at a six iron length. And he, even though he's a good player, he just never got used to it. He didn't like the short irons or the high loft irons and wedges at all, you know, with this. And that was what started making him think about, could this be done at a shorter length? You know, and he's not a club designer or anything like that, but he knew me and my history in in club design and doing all sorts of things first and all that. Um, So that's why when he was at Bandon Dunes playing in the speed golf tournament, I'm in Durango, Colorado, so he just stopped in here on the way back home to Zurich. If you can say that Durango is on the way back home to Zurich. You know. So so tell me, you've got the one model um, at the moment. How easily is, is the technology required to be to you know be brought across to like say a, a forged set set of irons? You know, if if I ever were to do a good player set. You know, and, I'm, yep. and believe me, there are good players who are playing our set now. You know, they can mm-hmm. get you yep. anything. Um, but if I were going to do a pure forge set, I really would have to send it out with a big notice on the club heads, you know, saying that unless you've got an 85-mile-an-hour club head speed with the irons, don't even mm. think about trying to play this set. Yep. Because there won't be any, well, let me put it this way. If I make it 100% forged carbon steel, the low loft clubs are going to have to require a little higher club head speed to be able to hit the ball far enough for them to like it. Now, yep. it's possible, you know, I've done this in prototypes, it's possible to take a forged carbon steel body and then weld a high strength mm. steel thin face into it. Now, it's not truly a forging then anymore because the striking face is not, car- you know, soft carbon steel. Um, yep. But your head vibrations at impact are reasonably soft to where I think most people who are used to forgings wouldn't hate this, but that would be the only other way that I could take, you know, a forge design at an eight iron length and give somebody adequate distance with a four iron and a five iron. Fantastic. Well, Tom, that's um, that's brilliant. As I said, I've um, it's definitely been Bryson that has brought the single length irons um to the fore of a golfer's mind. Um, for, for for myself, you know, not being entrenched in uh using traditional irons 
already, I, I, I see the benefits certainly uh, for my own game, but I can also for a lot of new golfers and even like younger kids, uh, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't be utilizing this particular single set. Here's, here's one other point actually. Uh, out on the golf course, uh, you, you, you're not playing in like perfect condition. So you're not playing off like a flat lie all the time. So when you've got a, um, a, a, a progressive set out on on the golf course you've got to take in the fact that number one you're using one of eight or nine irons so you've got um, nine different options already then you've got a whole bunch of different lies as well so you might be hitting off an uphill lie or a downhill lie or an incline or a decline lie Um, so there is all these particular combinations that you have to be able to get used to with the club in your hand but by using that yeah yeah go ahead Tom in all fairness let's you know let's not forget the fact that there's an awful lot of golfers who've played some very good golf with incremental length sets of irons Mm. you know that concept you know it's existed forever you know I mean and if it's fit correctly you can play with it you know absolutely you know, I don't want people to go jump off here and think all of a sudden, you know, that single length is the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, to come along. Um, if somebody asks me who might benefit the most by going into a single length set, I'd say probably it's going to be the golfer who goes through periods of being really inconsistent with his irons. And especially the golfer who, you know, once he gets into the six iron and five iron, he really loses consistency. You know, so in that case, you're probably talking about golfers who could be between seven or eight handicap up to a 25 handicap. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be ideal for these guys, you know, for that. You know, not to say it's not out of the realm for the scratch player, obviously, because, you know, but when you're looking at, a, let's say, a two handicapper, if he's been custom fit for an incremental length set of irons, he's fine with that. Would he yeah. gain much going to a single length? He might. You know, he'd have to really track his statistics, but, you know, it'd be a situation where maybe, you know, he improves his proximity to the hole by four or five feet. That's possible. And from that, he might make three or four birdies more, you know, every six or seven rounds. You yeah. know, so it'd be small, little incremental things. But for, let's say, a 12 handicapper, this could be really a significant improvement. It's possible. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, I think for for me, like newer golfers, um, because it takes that's one of my big, biggest problems. Even after twelve months of golf, is that I get out on the course, um, and if I've got a slightly different lie to to, to, to or, or a slightly different condition that I've I've not played before, then doubt. Um, creeps into my mind and it affects the shot that I play um, just because I'm not familiar with it. So actually taking out probably it's a factor of nine, I guess it is, um, in terms of the p- possible combinations you could actually achieve, like it makes it simpler to actually to learn and understand what you're actually playing. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think I see what you mean. You know, if you take somebody who's a relative beginner and now every iron is the same length, so he's in the same stance, same ball position, um, same swing plane, same everything. That, you know, that could maybe contribute a little bit to, you know, gaining a, his skill level sooner. That's possible. Fantastic. Well, Tom, thank you very much for coming on. I've um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, as I said, I've been following. 
what you've been doing for a while. Um, I had Rich Richie Hunt on the podcast a few episodes ago, and I know he's a he's a big fan. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, I tell you, if you were curious enough to want to go hit this single length set, yep. I believe that you know Jeff Walden has demos. You know, they, yeah. they, you could pay and give him a call, pay him a visit. You know, hit the demos and just see for yourself. I certainly will. Oh, fantastic. Well, th- thank you very much, Tom. Uh, right. Listener, thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, we'll speak to you again very soon. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Hey, podcast listener, if you want to learn more about this podcast or access lots of other great golfing content, head across to huntingscratch.com. See you soon.